we dive into the history of evil as we compare Chapter 7 of The Hobbit with its on-screen adaptation in the form of Peter Jackson's The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. This is episode number 99 of The Lore of the Rings. I'm glad you're here to wander the world and the works of J.R.R. Tolkien with me. When Bayorn found an unexpected party of dwarves on his doorstep, they shared an intriguing story, and he in turn shared food and protection. If you find yourself at an unexpected party where someone brings up the intriguing story of the Lord of the Rings, then you in turn can share this podcast. Sharing this podcast with a friend is as sweet as Bayorn's honey. Now, let's wander. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We are on the second of the three Hobbit films directed by Peter Jackson, called The Desolation of Smog. The chapter from the book that we explored in our previous episode, Queer Lodgings, actually straddles the ending of the first Hobbit film, with the eagles flying Bilbo and the dwarves to the Karak, and about seven minutes into the beginning of the second film, after a flashback scene. It ends about 30 minutes into the movie. Speaking of the Karak, if you look carefully, it is shaped like a bear's head a hint of what is about to come, although I find no description like that in the book. So in the second film, what is the opening scene before we get back to the book? The film opens in Bree, the town to the east of the Shire. After a cameo by Peter Jackson eating a carrot, we find Thorin the dwarf hanging out at the Prancing Pony. He is joined by Gandalf, and we see the chance meeting between the dwarf and the wizard that started the whole quest. You can read about this chance meeting in Appendix A in Return of the King and in Tolkien's Unfinished Tales. And I did a deep dive focusing on the theme of chance in Episode 72, Small Strange Chances, The Quest for Erebor. I don't disagree with including this scene of the chance meeting. It sets the stage for the quest and provides some background information. However, I think it does a slight disservice in that it again sets up the main narrative conflict to focus on Thorin and his attempt to reclaim Erebor. In the film, Gandalf ends the scene at the Prancing Pony by mentioning a burglar, and we cut to Bilbo, and the chapter begins. Bilbo, Gandalf, and the dwarves are on the run from the pursuing orcs, but Bilbo informs them that something else is out there. Gandalf guesses it's a beast in the form of a bear. The company runs to a house, guided by Gandalf, and the roaring beast scares off Azog and his orcs. The dwarves reach the safety of the wooden hall, while Bayorn, in bear form, chases after them. Clearly, this introduction to Bayorn and of the dwarves to Bayorn is quite a bit different than Gandalf's clever story and interruptions. It keeps the urgency elevated. Bayorn guards during the night, and Azog the orc is called to Dogledor by the Master. Who is the Master? First, Bilbo is awake at night and examining his golden ring, and as black speech echoes in our ears, we are shown the dark fortress of Dolgledor. There we see the master in the form of a talking black mist who promises that war is coming. Now back to Bilbo, who awakes with a ginormous bee on his nose, and finds the dwarves grumbling about what to do next. 
Then we finally get Gandalf introducing himself to Beorn while he is chopping wood. The dwarves, interpreting Gandalf's signal as his hand moving up and down, come out in pairs, mostly. We don't hear much of their story, but it is rather comical how the dwarves stumble over themselves. Finally, Thorin is introduced, and Beorn seems to know who he is. Beorn becomes host to this unexpected party of dwarves, where there is plenty of food, like in Bilbo's house. But unlike Bilbo's house, everything is bigger, and the dwarves wouldn't dare sing about bending forks and cracking plates. Beorn also provides additional backstory for his people, an embellishment from the book. He talks of being invaded by orcs in the mountains, and being enslaved for sport and torture. All of his people are dead. It's a lot more detail than what we get in the chapter, and takes away the mystery of Beorn just a little. But also shows Thorin that he is not the only one who has had his home taken away by evil things. Beorn hates orcs more than he dislikes dwarves, so he offers Thorin and company his help. Before they leave, Beorn reveals some intelligence on the doings of the sorcerer in Dol Guldur. He has an alliance with the orcs of the mountains. But he has something else to say. Rumors of the dead walking near the high fells of Rudwar. Okay, where is Rudwar? Rudwar is a hilly region north of Rivendell on the west side of the Misty Mountains. This land would have been part of the northern kingdom that Elendil founded. However, the chief of the Nazgul, known as the Witch King of Angmar, ruled this region and claimed it as part of Angmar. The High Fells that Beorn asks about are not mentioned in Tolkien's writings, and so the idea of Angmar's tomb being in those mountains is a Peter Jackson adaptation invention. But it seems to fit, right? The men of the north burying the body of their enemy, quote, in a tomb so dark it would never come to light. I love this description from lotr.fandom.com. The High Fells are, quote, described more as a prison of the dead than as a grave. We also see the men of the north throw in a Morgul blade, which doesn't seem like a smart thing to do if you think your enemy will rise again, as evidenced by the heavy chains and locks that restrict the body. But Beorn isn't done sharing rumors with Gandalf yet. He has one more, and we'll break it down after this break. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. You can be the hero of your own Marvel Comics adventure. Marvel Strike Force is an extraordinary mobile game, a haven for comic book enthusiasts and gamers alike. Lead your own fellowship of heroes and villains to battle against the forces of darkness that threaten the very fabric of the universe. From the menacing Doctor Doom to the formidable Apocalypse, every battle is a chance to prove your mettle. And right now, Marvel Strike Force is commemorating its six-year anniversary. That means free rewards await those who heed the call and sign up today. With weekly events and bonuses, this anniversary celebration promises a treasure trove of special rewards. Rally your allies, sharpen your blades, and dive into the action of Marvel Strike Force today. Use code MAXPOOL to unlock free new treasures. That's code MAXPOOL, all one word, on the mobile game Marvel Strike Force. Now, back to wandering. Beorn tells Gandalf that he remembers a time, quote, when a great evil ruled these lands, one powerful enough to raise the dead. If that enemy has returned to Middle-earth, 
I would have you tell me. Gandalf shares that Saruman the White says it's not possible for that enemy to have returned, yet he himself doesn't seem so sure. Okay, so who is this enemy? My mind first goes to Sauron. During the Second Age, Sauron's influence extended even to the north of the Misty Mountains, particularly after the crafting of the Rings of Power. However, that's several thousand years before the events of The Hobbit, and while we don't really have any details about Beorn's capacity for immortality, I find it a bit unlikely. In the Third Age, this area of the world was dominated by Sauron's fiercest servant, one of the bearers of the Nine Rings given to men, the Witch King of Angmar. The Kingdom of Angmar stretched across both sides of the northern tip of the Misty Mountains. However, what of this power to raise the dead? As far as I know, in Tolkien's writing, that power remains solely with the Valar, the powers that govern Middle-earth, to be used extremely rarely. That said, it's possible that Beorn is referring to the power of the Nine Rings that stretch out the mortal life of the men who bore them. In time, their lives became enslaved and connected with the One Ring. While it survived, so did they. So did Sauron or the Witch King have power to raise the dead? Not quite, it seems to me. More likely is that mortal men were left in a sort of in-between state, not able to die, like Aragorn says in Fellowship, and that state could be construed as a power to raise the dead. Well, Beorn says farewell to his guests, and they ride over a few hills and suddenly arrive at Markwood. Gandalf calls it the Elven Gate, and it looks like it was once a well-kept road, but vines and overgrowth show that this gate has not been maintained for some time. That's quite a bit different than the explanation in the book, where there is no Elven Gate, and only two trees that bend together to make a sort of archway. Bairn is not far from sight, looking after his ponies. And we finish with one last difference. Film Gandalf seems like he will continue on the path into Mirkwood, but after finding Sauron's red-eye symbol graffitied on a statue, he decides to turn aside and do some investigating. The symbol is also related to Bilbo's ring, which he fingers curiously while Gandalf explores inside the edge of the forest. Film Bilbo almost confesses that he found a magic ring in the Golden Tunnels, but pivots to saying he found his courage. Gandalf gives them the advice about the forest. Stay on the path, do not touch the water, and again, stay on the path. Gandalf rides off, Bilbo and the dwarves enter the forest, and this ends the screen adaptation of this chapter. Or as Tolkien said it, they, quote, turned from the light and plunged into the forest. Join me in the next episode, where we wander the paths of Mirkwood as we examine the next chapter in The Hobbit. Thanks for wandering Middle-earth with me today. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember... Not all those who wander are lost.